If you need a guide to navigate through mental illness for yourself or someone you know, today's book is for you. Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today, I review A Christian's Guide to Mental Illness, Answers to 30 Common Questions by David Murray and Tom Carroll Jr. 256 pages published by Crossway in September 2023. Available in Amazon for $21.99. I got a free copy, a free review copy from Crossway. Crossway has no input on today's review. By way of introducing the authors, um, David Murray and Tom Carroll Jr., let me quote what they wrote in their introduction. As the authors of this book, we want to assure readers that God is our only is our hope and help. For a combined total of about 50 years, we have both been involved in helping Christians with mental illness and their families. Tom has served as a psychologist in a Christian healthcare setting, and David has served as a pastor, counselor, and professor of counseling, as well as authoring various books on the subject. End quote. Uh, not, uh, and they later on, the authors explained that, uh, I believe just during COVID, they have actually uh, both suffered through mental illness themselves. So, Whereas previously they were helping others uh, cope and uh, overcome mental illness, they found themselves on the receiving end. So that makes them um, have a a fairly empathetic um, perspective, having experienced it for themselves. And uh, later they write in that same introduction, I quote, uh, We approach this problem as Christians who not only believe, but who have experienced okay, that God provides hope and help for Christians with mental illness and those who care for them. While mental illness often has spiritual consequences, it is rarely only a spiritual problem that can be fixed simply with repentance and faith. God provides hope and help through His Word and a Word-based view of His world. This Word-directed, holistic approach is the most honoring to God and the most beneficial for sufferers and their families, end quote. And what do they mean by this? Uh, we will see as we look at the book as a whole. They answer this uh, question, uh, many questions actually. The book is organized around 30 questions. I will not read out all 30 of them, but let me just read a few here so you can get a broad sense of the book. The first question posed is, what is mental illness? And after answering that question, they answer related ones. They, they ask uh, an answer on the different kinds of mental illness uh, and uh, its uh, causes and effects. Another, another question that I thought was quite interesting was, uh, can a Christian have mental illness? I'm sure you have heard people say that if you are a Christian, then you should not have mental health problems. You, What you really need is to read the Bible more, pray more, repent more, trust God more, and all that mental illness stuff will just go away. Well, as you have heard from the introduction, the these authors who are qualified, 
they are Christians and they want to help the people around them and they have helped people around them before, well, they have something to say to that, um, to that uh, perception of mental illness. So, uh, and in short, the answer is yes. Um, Christians can have mental illness and you have to read the book to find out how they explain it. As I go down the list of questions, uh, in the table of contents, I, a thought, a quote comes to mind. Uh, that is, a wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. End quote. And that's not from Proverbs. That apparently was from Bruce Lee. Now, none of the questions here are foolish, but I just want to say that we can learn a lot about the authors, about what they believe, from the 30 questions that they have chosen here. For instance, it is quite clear that Murray and Carol have a holistic approach. You see, sometimes people push the sufferers uh, to mental health professionals. Um, these guys can take care of um, the problem because, I mean, I'm not qualified to deal with this. Uh, others push it to pastors, maybe because, you know, pastors are caring. Pastors uh, talk about healing and miracles of God. So pastors are clearly the ones who should deal with this mess, not me. Well, others say that it is a social or relational problem. So what we need in order to help the guy, uh, the person who's suffering to mental health, is that, you know, it is the family, it is the friends who need to uh, take better care or basically just make sure that that side is sorted and everything else will be sorted as well. The authors think everyone has a role and we have dedicated chapters. So there's a chapter each uh, which follows from a question about the role of pastor. What is the role of a pastor? What is the role of family and friends, mental health professionals, biblical counsellors and also medication. Okay, so some, again, some Christians or even non-Christians have a problem with medication. Very sensitive to the, to the fact that there's an opiate uh, pandemic, uh, epidemic happening around where people are just uh, over-dosing. Uh, Is that the word? Uh, they're, they're depending too much on medication. And uh, anyway, conspiracy theories uh, abound. So you have big pharma making lots of money from these type of things, not really trying to help the people, but actually just giving them lots of medication. Um, again, the, um, the authors are familiar with uh, this type of thinking. And as you read them, you can see that um, they're not dismissing some of the suspicions we may have about uh, various things, okay? Not just about big pharma. But they provide a very good, um, how to say, perspective. They give us insight that uh, I think is really worth considering. Then having dealt with the roles that everybody have, uh, we have a whole list of questions on how to deal with how to deal with mental illness. And if, you, and if you pay attention to the verbs they use, you will notice that the authors don't use the words solve, cure, or even manage. Instead, I think they were quite careful to pick the correct verbs that reflect how they look at this um, mental illness. The verbs they use in the questions they pose are uh, words like discern, help, avoid, care, prepare, minister. 
And uh, as you look through the questions, um, some of the, even some of these questions may not occur to you, which again reveals the experience that these guys have and imposing the, the type of questions that they, they put together. I mean, for example, when you're grappling with, the, with just trying to deal with the mentally ill, all right, so just trying to figure out what's going on over here, you may not even think about the question, how can we help him grow spiritually? Or how can we help her serve in the church? That might be just way out and you're not even thinking that it's possible. So uh, again, these questions uh, are good because of the experience and the credibility they bring in the answers. So the authors also do not shy away from scary questions. They ask, how can we help someone who is suicidal? They also direct our attention to the people often forgotten um, because the, sometimes the mentally ill basically just uh, take up so much attention from the people around that we forget to ask, how can we care for the caregivers? And the last question in the book I thought was a particularly uh, audacious one. What good comes out of mental illness? And you, I mean, just putting it that way, I mean, how can any good come out of something so terrible? And if anyone else had tried to talk about the good that comes out of mental illness, we might throw him out. How dare he even pose the question? But because uh, it, that question was the last in this book, and we know um, that Murray and Carol, the way they answer the previous questions, they always answer it in a way that is... Uh, biblically based. Uh, it comes from a God-loving and a people-loving heart. Um, so we trust that um, when they pose such a question, it is because uh, it is an important question. It's a question that has been asked in the experience. And it's also a question that, that they can offer some answer from Scripture. So the question was, what good comes of mental illness? And one of the good comes from this book. Because the book ends with a chapter titled, <clears throat> The Story Behind This Book. And the chapter begins like this. I quote, when Norman Van uh, Mersbergen's brother, okay, so as a guy uh, and his brother, uh, Gary died from complications of schizophrenia. A small legacy of about $70,000 was realized from his estate. Due to their painful experience of trying to care for Gary through these uh, traumatic years, Norman and his wife, Vicky, felt called of God to donate this money to a research project that would ultimately help Christians care for other Christians with mental illness. They reached out to Dr. David Murray, then a professor of counseling, and along with Ed Stetzer, they pulled together a team from Lifeway and Focus on the Family to research this neglected subject. The resulting research is the foundation of this book. Uh, here is a little of Norman's and Vicky's story. End quote. So I finish the story. It's a sobering story. I mean, the book has many stories. Um, every chapter, we get bits and pieces of uh, different people's experiences with uh, mental illness. But this uh, last story, it's a, it's a long one, okay? It's uh, different. Here, we have the life story of a man who suffered through mental illness. And we see how that 
illness affected the people around him. And it's not a fairy tale story. It will not fit with how some people, even Christians, think a Christian's life with mental illness should be. Um, it is a story that also shows, paradoxically, how the 30 questions and the answers in this book are helpful, at the same time, ultimately not helpful enough. Not helpful because it's not enough just to know the answer. Uh, just reading the story at the end just shows that it is hard. And uh, knowing the answers doesn't make it less hard. And that's why we need God. Now, that's a broad view of the whole book. So you have 30 questions and end, it ends with a story that explains how the whole book started. Now, let me just uh, narrow down to one chapter and I want to just share a few tidbits from, from a chapter I found um, helped me understand and helped me relate better with uh, mental illness. Chapter 6 is uh, titled, How Does Mental Illness Affect Spiritual Life? Consider this uh, point, which I thought was very helpful. I quote, First, when mental illness is a sickness, it is a mistake to condemn such suffering as sin. Such misclassification turns a sufferer into a sinner, heaps false guilt on the person, and multiplies her suffering. Second, and just as damaging is when mental illness is even partly caused by personal sin but is blamed on sickness alone. In this case, false comfort may be offered, turning a sinner into a sufferer and depriving the person of the healing power of repentance and faith in Christ. End quote. Now, this particular idea is probably what I will remember long after today's review is done because it's an idea that's very easily captured. I don't want to turn a sinner into a sufferer, nor turn a sufferer into a sinner. Again, what we get here is a holistic, a whole physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual handle of mental illness. Right? And this is also the chapter that, that helped me relate uh, to those with mental illness. Um, so let me read uh, what uh, Murray and uh, Cairo uh, wrote. For most people, especially men, sleep deprivation vastly increases the likelihood of conflict. We get grumpy, impatient, and bad-tempered. We withdraw from social situations and have no time even for close friends. We just want to be left alone. If we don't want to be with people or talk to them, it is unlikely we will want to be with God or speak with Him, end quote. Now, this uh, actually uh, spoke to me because I am uh, going through sleep problems. So, I, <laughs> they were describing me, uh, grumpy, impatient, bad-tempered, not wanting to be with people or with God. So, then they link these uh, symptoms, this condition to mental illness. Uh, I quote, Mental illness tends to have a similar effect. When our thoughts, moods, and physical health are disordered, it is almost impossible for that not to injure our relationships. 
as our most important relationship is with God, we can expect that mental illness is going to undermine that relationship in a similar way. End quote. And here I found that a little bit of empathy goes a long way. And especially for Christians who tend to tell others to suck it up, all right? Because maybe they have gone through um, some their own experiences and they just don't remember or um, how difficult it may be to suck it up. So uh, just being able to relate, uh, however little, uh, I think helps us to uh, approach the problem with the right tone, with the right spirit. And I think this book as a whole has done a fantastic job. Um, and they give you some uh, some action items. In, the, in every chapter, at the end of the chapter, the authors give a summary that includes uh, a list of uh, action items. And so for this chapter, uh, chapter 6, one of the action items reads, Think through how your last physical illness influenced your spiritual life. And just like that, uh, these uh, exercises can actually help you be a better person uh, to understand and to help those with mental illness. So you do find that there's something that, you know, at the end of the book, you actually uh, come out better out of it. All right? So it's both informative and also, uh, I, don't, I don't know whether I should say this, but produces compassion. I mean, it helps you relate. Okay, Maybe that's the better word, more accurate. It makes you, helps you relate to the people who have mental illness. And another way that it helps uh, uh, relate is uh, they have stories. So as I mentioned earlier, every chapter ends with a personal story. And for this chapter 6, we have a paragraph, very, very short, uh, of uh, David's, David Murray's reflection on how he used to, how he used to look at mental illness, and uh, that was in the past, and how he looks at it today. So his experiences um, as a counselor and as a, a patient, as a person who suffered, has uh, changed how he looked at mental illness. So I found the choice of stories in the book interesting because. They are not interesting. <laughs> we don't have, uh, you know, fascinating stories like a man who mistook his wife for a hat or anything that would grab headlines. Like, there doesn't seem to be anything that you would just like come to a friend and say, do you know that there are people with mental illness and they'll mistake um, things or whatever it is, all right? So you don't have anything like that. The stories uh, chosen are really ordinary people dealing with everyday life a life made complicated by mental illness. And hopefully the ordinariness of the stories, uh, we can actually see how it can happen in our own lives with the people uh, around us. And hopefully that will help us as Christians um, uh, move to help them once we see that um, it can be an ordinary thing to be a help to them. Yeah, So... Now let us, having explained what the whole book is about and given you an idea from a specific chapter, now I want to move to my general thoughts on the book. The style and format of the book fits with a website's Q&A. You have a list of questions, you click on a question, you get an answer that's well written for the general, the non-specialist audience, and it's put forward in a helpful, non-condemning tone, okay? 
And uh, so when you see all this um, Q&A type of, I mean, it fits so well, the, the natural question is, um, why, why not make it into a website rather than put it together into a book? Now, I'm sure there are many reasons, but from a reader's perspective, okay, reading and reader, so this is a reader's perspective, I'll tell you that the book gives you something that a website does not. Okay, the physicality of it, I mean, whether it's an ebook or physical book, the idea is that when you read a book, you are expected to read cover to cover. And this book, again, is not that long. It's 200 plus pages. And, and for many people, I think it is important to read this book cover to cover first, and then later on, uh, you can zoom into, into particular questions that you need to think more or do, do something about. So you can just read everything first, and then just pick those questions that you find helpful. And actually, that's the way the, the authors uh, recommended everybody read this book. Now, the reason why I say uh, reading it from cover to cover is great is because you may have some preconception of what mental illness is, and you may have some preconceptions on how to deal with it. The problem um, with mental illness or with any other things in life is that sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. So what the authors offer here is that they have a series of questions, questions that they consider most important to guide Christians on mental illness. That's how I'm sure they put together this book and the questions. And sometimes the questions here may not have you know, come, come to your mind. You may not have considered these questions before. And now you have an opportunity to, to hear the answer for some of these questions uh, from a Christian mental health uh, experts, if I can put it that way. All right? So they have dealt with so many of these type of things. And I would like to underline the Christian part. Because if you Google search what you want to know about any form of mental illness, you will get tons of helpful advice from professors, to sufferers, uh, you have forums, Twitter, anything. I mean, social media is chock full of these type of things as well. Now, that part is easy. I think that the hard part is finding information on mental health, uh, mental illness um, for Christians. Um, because some Christians um, sound like they have a problem with mental health problems. Um, there are many Christians, including pastors, who would dismiss mental health uh, as an issue. They say that it's overblown um, and, and there, is, there is some validity which the, the authors of this book uh, concedes. But at the same time, they want to underscore that there are actually real issues as well. So again, this book is very balanced in that sense. They consider the, the opinions of the, even from the extremes and say there is an element of truth, but it's not the whole truth. Um, there are Christians, including pastors, who just don't know how to deal with these problems. And so they'll tell you in the websites or in the sermons and so on that you, the, the only thing you need to do is go see a mental health professional because they are the only people who can help you. And that's not true as well. Pastors do have a role, as um, one of the chapters um, address. So if you are searching online, the point here I'm trying to make is that you don't really know whether what you're reading is really... Um, uh, biblical, can I say that? Even though it's coming from uh, Christians who love God, who who love the people, but what you really want is to find 
people who love God and love people who have also studied mental illness, who have helped people with mental illness, and if, if possible, who have suffered through mental illness themselves. And I think that's quite a hard combination to, to get. So if you're looking for a good Christian resource on mental illness that is uh, not coming from extreme ends of the Christian spectrum, I can tell you right now that uh, this book is great. You just have to get this book, okay? It's easy to read uh, for. And um, it's another thing that I want to say is that this is not a book um, for those who need detailed uh, knowledge of any particular disease. If you've been diagnosed with something like schizophrenia, this book does not nearly go into enough details to help you with that specific uh, illness. But if you have just been diagnosed, maybe you are in denial or maybe even shame as a Christian. So you may be wondering what this means for your faith and salvation amongst all the other things that you have to deal with. Then this book can be for you. At the same time, if you know someone who is uh, struggling with mental illness and you feel a bit helpless, because, I mean, it's so difficult to help people with mental illness. And whether you are a pastor, a family member, friend, a mental health professional, maybe not even a Christian mental health professional, being able to see what the Christians are, are advising could actually help you um, help a Christian in that sense. Um, you also, if you're a biblical counsellor, uh, then this book is a good start to see how the different people can work together. What is your role? What is your role when you, with your friends, with your family members' mental illness? And um, we can all play a part to help a brother or a sister in Christ overcome this uh, very trying trial. Maybe um, what many are looking for when it comes to mental illness is that they're looking for someone to tell them that um, that's all going to be all right, that there is some assurance, there's some comfort. So with that thought, I want to end today's review with the book's answer to the question, are they saved? Are those who have mental illness uh, saved? And... Um, it's so difficult to answer this question because, as the authors say, um, it's so difficult to even know whether the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the fruit of their faith, is uh, genuine. I mean, if it was coming from the past and now they're not showing it, so how do we think about it? So under the subsection, okay, in, the, in one of the chapters, they, it, it, they put, the authors put it uh, in this way. There are truths to comfort the heart. And uh, under this subsection, they write, I quote, Salvation is God's work from before time began until time is no more, and everything in between, Romans 8.28-29. This means that salvation is God's work, not ours or anyone else's. And therefore, it is not dependent on a person's work or even their sanity. God can preserve a person's faith even when we cannot or they cannot. He can give a person with mental illness more faith than those who have full control of their faculties. This is where a strong view of God's sovereignty in salvation can give more hope than some theological views that major on functioning, human reason, and free will. End quote. Truth be told, I have never 
considered the question of uh, mental illness and salvation. And before this book, I never saw how God's sovereignty was the ultimate comfort and answer to that question. And after reading that, my heart just sang, uh, How great is our sovereign Lord! How wonderful are His ways! So if you're looking for a book that can help you guide through um, mental illness as a Christian, then this is the book for you. This is a Reading and Readers review of A Christian's Guide to Mental Illness. Answers to 30 Common Questions by David Murray and Tom Carroll Jr. 256 pages published by Crossway in September 2023. It's available in Amazon for $21.99. I got a free review copy from Crossway and they have no input on today's review. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.